All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? And how do you get it? I'm your host, Jeff Coulard. Welcome to the show. It's a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship of self. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. All right. Welcome back to Powerful, the live show. And it is a special Thanksgiving weekend edition with my good friend and colleague, Tanya Kaszowski. Tanya is the executive director for Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids, a nonprofit that feeds a whole bunch of school kids every day of the school year. And we'll probably dig into a little bit of her journey in that organization. Uh, she's also a leadership coach and consultant, which is really why I asked her onto the show to talk about people-centered leadership and how we can do that in, in, in a world that sometimes isn't people-centered and in organizations that sometimes evolve and don't have their people at the center of their practice. And so um, please join me in welcoming Tanya Kaszowski to the show. And as always, we love your comments and your questions. So feel free to drop them right into the feed on whatever, wherever you happen to be watching the show from. So Tanya, thank you so much for joining me and happy Thanksgiving. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. And yes, happy Thanksgiving to you too. It's good to be here. Yeah, no, that's great. And this is a conversation. I love chatting leadership with you and life in general. And so yeah. this is a good chance for us to share that conversation a bit more broadly. Um, mm -hmm. but let's pretend that it's just you and me and a few strangers on the internet watching this or listening to this <laughs> at some point down the road. Um, tell me about your journey as a leader and maybe a little bit of kind of where you're at right now and, you know, the Coles Notes version yeah. of who's Tanya Kay and what's she all about? Yeah. Well, I would sort of consider myself a little bit of a self-proclaimed leadership geek. I think from early on in my life, uh, back to elementary school, I was always like seeing the kindergarten kids needed something different. So let's rally the grade sevens to do it, to, to high school and to boarding school and just saw opportunities and gaps in where get, getting people together to fill that gap, see that need, create that opportunity. Um, and so then that's just sort of been my journey, always been around creating opportunities that can empower people. And uh, so lots of learning and so education, some, you know, authentic leadership and strategic leadership, um, education and uh, really cool opportunities and practicing leadership um, with some failures, <laughs> lots of failures and lots of uh, opportunities and successes and just um for me, leadership really comes from that a little bit of that intrinsic place. It's just sort of a natural part of who I am and um, continue to try to learn and figure out where it is. So at this point, I get to practice leadership at a really amazing organization that does really great work at Brown Bagging. And um, yeah, and that's kind of where I am at this point. Okay, well, let's let's talk about kind of your leadership philosophy around mm -hmm. people-centered leadership. Um, what does that mean? In a nutshell, what are you talking about when you say people-centered? Because 
it's one of those terms and leadership is full of terms that we look at and on the surface like yeah i can i think i know what that means but then maybe i don't exactly know what it means or maybe everybody it's it's up to interpretation so when you think people-centeredness um as a leadership practice or a set of principles what are you what are you talking about so for me um, the philosophy of and my leadership philosophy and the philosophy of people-centered leadership is that you listen to yourself with empathy and care. And then you respond to that because sometimes we'll hear things and see things about ourselves and we just ignore it, even the tough stuff. And then you have the opportunity or the obligation or the responsibility to do that same listening with the same empathy and care for those people that are on your team or in your organization or wherever they are in, in your span of leadership. So, then for me, the, the three guiding principles of people-centered leadership are about listening to yourself, knowing your purpose, what's your kind of North Star guiding principles, um, and then caring for others. So again, those principles start with the reflection of yourself, because I believe that as a people-centered leader, I need to have some awareness of my strengths and weaknesses and fears and insecurities and checking my ego at the door and all those pieces to go in and do the responsibility and opportunity leadership has. So those are the three guiding principles that I would coin with people-centered leadership. Okay. Let's, let's dig in. Let's talk about how do you do the first one? How do you kind of listen to yourself with compassion? Mm -hmm. And maybe you, do, if, do you have some practices that you mm -hmm. kind of have incorporated and, and I'd, I'd love to have a conversation about like what it is, people-centeredness and yeah. the practices. And I'd also love to talk about some of the barriers, some of the obstacles, mm -hmm. some of the things that you've experienced on the journey, um, you know, all the way back to elementary school, if that's as far back <laughs> as you want to go. Um, but I know like leadership's a hard job. It's a hard gig. Um, I know I was in it for a while. Um, I've kind of stepped out of it and I'm in more of an adjacent role to leadership. Now. I don't have anybody other than my little people um, <laughs> trying to lead and get from A to B. Um, but as, as you've developed over the years, What's, what are some of those core practices that you've developed to do that kind of connecting with yourself piece? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, you know, I'll explain that with a little bit of a story. So um, I would say probably in about April, so sort of at the really first, that first wave of COVID trying to figure out how to do this as a, as a leader and as an organization, we went into triage, figuring out how to feed hungry kids. It was nonstop for quite a while. Um, and as humans, we only can do that for so long. We're, we are all human. Even leaders are all human. They have their failures and they have their breaking points and they have their defensiveness and all that. And so uh, it, was, it was early April. Things have been going on for a few weeks now. I could see and I could feel in myself. It's just, you know, more defensive, just exhausted, not sleeping, not doing the things we all know to do. You know, exercise, move your body, drink water, eat healthy. Um, and I could just sense that anxiety in me and the impatience. It was a Monday. I was supposed to be in a meeting Monday morning. And I said, you know, I, I cannot show up for this meeting. I need to do some self-care. I need to, I could hear and see in myself that I was really, my feet were coming out from under me. My feet were probably out from under me. So listen to myself. I knew that about myself. I could see it. And then, and, and because we were still in like that triage mode, we still needed to be on. I couldn't completely disconnect for, you know, more than that period of time. I knew a chunk of time was important. So I let my leadership team know who we do practice authenticity and being vulnerable. Um, I let them know that I was struggling. I needed to have a little bit of a break. Went to bed that Monday night. 
like slept 13 hours, um, got up and then was just sort of feel like just walking through the motions. There was a call I had at one o'clock with one of my, with one of the people on the leadership team, Steph. And I said, you know, Steph, I will be there for one o'clock, but I, I'm taking this this morning. So I'd had that sleep, kind of walked around did coffee, did the things I needed to do. I know for me, moving my body. So getting out for a run or even just a good walk is a really good self-care thing for me to do. So that's what I ended up doing. I had to force my butt off the couch, get out the door, go and had my phone with me. And it was 1245. I knew, okay, this is, I'm feeling better. I feel like I'm getting perspective. I can show up for these people a little bit more right now. They need, still need me. They're doing amazing, but they still, that's what leadership is about. You're here to help guide and care um and then it was yeah and then it was almost coming one o'clock I was still in the park so I hadn't finished my run yet and I just jumped on my phone and was able to still then engage with staff at one o'clock um and show up for her with my feet a little more under me she needed me at that point there was stuff going on with what she was leading and doing that I needed to really be present and engage and in her amazing capable ways still guide her um, or offer just a perspective. And so the listening to yourself part, if I hadn't, wasn't aware of myself and what I needed and I needed to step away, get some rest, do those things with my body. Um, I couldn't have showed up for Steph the way I did at one o'clock that day. So it's about the practices are, how do you find your spaces and everybody's different? How do you just listen to yourself? And if you think about, you know, your energy, like where do you, is it easy to, spend forever in and forget, oh, I haven't even gone to the bathroom yet or I haven't eaten, eaten today. Those are those ways. Um, get curious with your values. So I've done lots of journeying and interacting with my values. And I know, Jeff, you t- as well, this is a, a value for you, right, to live from that value place. Um, so get, you know, that time. And then the time, like, where do you go and have some quiet time? Get away from the distractions, especially in the world right now with social media, with media, with all the distractions, even the negativity and the heaviness of the world right now, how do you get away from that? Just be quiet and listen to yourself. What your body will tell you when you get quiet, you'll feel those things, you'll know, you might not be able to communicate it, but you'll still, there's something in you, your gut, your gut instinct. Yeah. And I'm curious about what, what somebody can do or what the, the front end of that looks like. Because I think for you and I, who have probably run headfirst into the leadership burnout wall a few yeah. times, like I know I certainly did. I thought I did it and I thought I learned my lesson. And then a few years later, you know, a second round came. I was like, actually, Jeff, you need to take this seriously because you're not. Um, yeah. And you're not. We can't be our best leaders and our best selves when we're not well. And actually, I just had this conversation last week. I was doing a, a, a workshop with a group and it was on self-care and resiliency, a two-hour mm-hmm. workshop. And the, the thrust of it is really, you know, is what you're talking about is, you know, understanding what it is you need and valuing that, valuing your needs and putting them as a priority into the, into the mix, right? It's so easy, I think, as a leader and certainly as a parent, I'd fall guilty of this and, and a partner of putting everybody else's needs in front of your own. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a quick recipe for burnout um, because yeah. the world has lots of needs. And as a leader, especially in the nonprofit space, you know, those needs are just not, they're not going anywhere anytime Mm -hmm. soon. And so we can Mm -hmm. endlessly chase them and deplete ourselves. And I think we actually, I think there's a crisis in the nonprofit sector right now for sure. But I think across leadership, I think there's a crisis of burnout and exhaustion and people who are unintentionally 
like not doing well um, and their people aren't doing well either. And so I think this is a very important, very timely conversation. It's always timely in leadership to talk about wellness and leadership during a pandemic, I think is, you know, it's just that let's take it up a notch. And yeah, so maybe some, because I think you you have enough self-awareness. You strike me as like, I know Uh you've got enough self-awareness to know that about yourself to be able to know the signs of, you know, not sleeping super well, maybe a little bit of anxiety creeping in and for you to be able to then intentionally take the space. What about for somebody who doesn't have or hasn't cultivated that sense of what their own needs are? Um, Because you know, like it seems like you've got a bit of a recipe that you've built, Mm -hmm. which is when this happens, I need to take this kind of space and I need to move my body. And like, you've, you've figured those things out. How did you figure those things out? Maybe that's a better question. What prompted you to go down this, that journey of self-care? Yeah. Well, and I think, um, and even just back, you know, we talked about barriers, right? So some of the, I'll just, the, the comment, the thought on barriers is that the, the, I think a more traditional thinking on that leadership is that it's seen as weakness. <laughs> if you actually need to go and take care of yourself and I actually need to say, I can't do this right now. I need to step away. Um, as weakness and that's it's not <laughs> so um, that's a barrier so then so then the recipe for me has um, and I would say yeah there has been I've had some huge um, kind of feet out from under me um, situations that have happened in my in my whole leadership 25 28 years of practicing leadership in different different organizations um, and I think it's about a daily it's about a daily practice being very intentional i i structure my day very intentionally of so the practice of doing a little bit of a meditation um practicing to great that it's thanksgiving practicing gratitude what am i grateful for in this moment even in that shitty tough moment what am i grateful for right how can i get so how can I find that? Cause that, what perspective does that give you then when you can practice that gratitude piece, um, moving your body, getting the right sleep, eating healthy, drinking water, some of those basic things, taking the intentional time to step away from, um, the busyness like those. So if you're a person that isn't, doesn't feel like they have that self-awareness, put some really intentional practices into play, like some of those that I suggested, and just start practicing that every day, just doing that. Giving yourself permission to mess up on a day or not do it every day. I don't do it every single day as well. Like they're like, oh, something, you know, gets in the way, kids, life, other things. Um, But if those structures and those intentional practices is in place, if you're not that self-aware, it will help you just to start that routine, to become, have that a little bit more of that self-awareness. Um, uh, I'm also like love reading our audiobooks. I'm, I'm a learner. Like I'm constantly learning and figuring things out and listening to a podcast, listening to an audiobook, reading an article, having great conversations with people like you, right? Like those are the places you take those nuggets and learning. So yeah, that's what I would say for if you're at that's the start of a leadership journey or you're not feeling that self-aware pieces, take that time to do some of those intentional practices um, to create that self-awareness so that you can listen to yourself and you can read some of those pieces. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea of structuring it in because <laughs> so many people, it, like this is a generalization to step away from leadership for a second, just into self-care in general. Mm-hmm. So many people are and i've been guilty of this and i am guilty of this on a regular basis of just white knuckling it through the the week 
for the month or the quarter or, mm -hmm. you know, Christmas, the Thanksgiving to Christmas crunch, like just get through it, right? Just I, And I work a lot with teachers in the education system and they're, they seem to be perpetually just white knuckling it through yeah. to the next holiday, to the next break, right? And that's yeah. That's not a recipe for wellness, and that's not a recipe for, you know, being in in, in good in in the condition that we need to be in to mm -hmm. to to be there for our people, right? To, mm -hmm. to really show up. So, um, if you're watching this live, I'd love to hear your comments on this particular topic because I think it's a really important one, and I don't think we give it enough airtime in our organizations and in our conversations. What do you do for self care? What's your favorite self care? practice how have you how do you carve out space to connect with what's most important to you um i'd love to hear about it and if uh if you throw them in, into the comment feed we'll get them up onto the show so that everybody else can uh, can hear them as well or see them so um, go ahead and take a minute to do that and let's maybe let's maybe shift a little bit into that second principle of knowing purpose or knowing your, your purpose um mm -hmm. how did, how did you find that first what is your purpose mm -hmm. and how and and how'd you find it mm -hmm. So my personal why statement is that I want to empower others so they feel, so I want to, I want to encourage others so they feel empowered to be the best they can be. And that um, has been a journey as well. I think of probably eight years ago, nine years ago, I remember going to for another, uh, another executive director had a little cabin, middle of nowhere, went out there uh, did the Simon Sinek start with why course uh, and really kind of just put into some context and some language and some intentional routine and practice and exercises of, for me to unpack that it was sort of a practice even leading up to that. Um, and then just, again, once I sort of felt that my self-awareness was and seeing what I was doing, if I look at my life um, in how I parent, even uh, how I'm in relationship with my friends, I want to encourage people so they feel the best that they can be. I want that for my team. Like I want them to go and just knock it out of the park and shine and be their best. It doesn't need to be about me. Uh, same with my kids, uh, all those things. So um, it's a, I think it's a journey to sort of figure out that what that North Star and that guiding why purpose is for people. Um, and again, I think it's just about taking the time and getting curious. Like, like I do, I am... Um, uh, I, 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 there's so much value in the work that Simon Sinek has, is putting out there that he has some great resources as to start getting curious with that and some great, like I said, some exercises to help people through that. So it is just sort of getting really curious. Um, again, it's that energy thing. Where do you spend? What, what, what can you stay up all night for? Those, if you really pay attention to that, and you can go back to childhood on that uh, and see those places where you just shot you know felt your best and we're on top of the world and i'm a big believer in play as well where were those playful moments those are the things that help you to really know what your purpose is in life um, i know there's lots of talk about like you got to have that find that purpose and you got to be passionate and work in your passion that doesn't always come easy for everybody um right at all and or people that are in jobs they're like well i'm just doing this job and i there's not i have no purpose to be you know manufacturing cups you know whatever it might be but um you still find those things that kind of give you that purpose and and motivate you and and they're and they're there if you again starting at that place of getting curious with yourself and listening to yourself then you start to see those pieces that kind of help be your guiding your guiding star mm -hmm. well let's talk a little bit about so i know that you've 
you've been in leadership roles in the nonprofit space. You've been with Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids for a long time. So uh, as a, I started with them uh, almost 19 years ago and as a volunteer, and now it's, I'm into my 11th year on staff. 11th year on staff. And so you've, you've, you've put in a lot of work into the nonprofit sector and we can, we can talk about the learnings there. Um, you're also starting to do a little bit of coaching, consulting, speaking, mm-hmm. facilitating through Tanya K coaching and consulting. So I would love to hear more about, and you've got a very interesting um, connection with your husband, Jerry, around mm-hmm. some speaking that you guys have done. And it, mm-hmm. it sounds like, and so what I love about conversations with you is that purpose, like that purpose driver is very clear and very, very strong. And so I'd love to know what the kind of what the driver is for your coaching and consulting practice and what impact you want to make in the world through that vehicle. So mm-hmm. like as concretely, like who, who do you want to work with and mm-hmm. what change do you want to make um, for the, for those people? Because I know that your heart is still in the nonprofit sector. And so mm-hmm. I imagine that you want to continue to move the needle yeah. on leadership in the nonprofit yeah. sector, but um Talk, talk to me about Tanya K coaching and consulting. Yeah. Um, I should have taken notes of all the things I could uh, talk about here. Um, Who I knows think, what Jeff's going to ask you, right? I know. Seriously. <laughs> I was, I'm prepared though. Um, um, yeah, I think, you know what, Jeff, I think for me, so my journey of leadership, like if I really go back to that purpose and that all my life, it's been about just, having people be better together, like how they work in that way. And as I have practiced leadership um, and like, so in the leadership role at Brown Bagging for eight years, um, like had lots of struggles and with my colleagues in the sector, seeing those same struggles and, um, and some made mistakes and some failures and some lots of learning. And so, um, and also then really kind of, getting clear on what, uh, how I was like, you know, I think everybody would see the humanity in leaders and it's not a top-down hierarchical approach. It's collaborative. And, you know, I don't have to go into a board meeting and have all the answers and know it all. And why don't I bring the people who actually are on the front line working, know these things better than I do. Actually, they're the brilliant ones, not me. Um, So just being aware of those practices and then being with my colleagues and in the sector and seeing that um, and hearing the stories and not the same practices and lots of the same struggles and then how I was getting through the struggles. Um, and we like, you know, I think even now with the paradigm shift in the world is looking at, you know, let's be, you know, all the buzzword, let's be authentic, let's be vulnerable, let's, you know, care for each other, let's be more human, all that. But then how do you do it? Because it's easy to say like, oh, yeah, listen to your staff. But how do you do that? So um, I think the clarity for me has come. My heart is definitely in making a difference in the world. I'm so fortunate I get to do that and practice that at Brown Begging with the team of people that I work with um, and the impact we have. Again, I get to also help these kids be the best they can be by helping giving them food made with love, right? That lunch is love piece. Um, So then it's like, well, maybe I can offer some tools and some practices and experience even with other leaders that I'm seeing struggling. And how can I share some of those principles and some of the pieces that I do and the structures that I put into place to help leaders uh, in the nonprofit sector? Because then there's lots of need in our world. There's lots of great work that people are doing. There's lots of great nonprofits that have needs. Um, if I can help those leaders be more sustainable, healthy, impactful in their work they're doing and in their own lives, 
because uh, if you go through burnout as a leader, it's impacting your home life as well, <laughs> 100%. So uh, if I could sort of help create some of that with some of the leadership practices that I have and those pieces, that I'd love to be part of that because that makes these people be the best they can be at their in their nonprofits that they're doing great work for. Um, and so, yeah, and so just develop that people-centered leadership model, practices around it, some workshops and exploring that. Uh, also, because of how I do these things um, and the journey that I've had with Jerry in terms of where he was at as a tactical police officer and um, the things we were going through together and the things he was dealing with in a very different type of work, um, how we were each other's too, how we had to be each other's person and get through that and hold space for each other and accountability and all those things. So then the two of us have also uh, had some opportunity to do some work and help other couples, um, even as, as that are in law enforcement, right? So that are first responders, even just to how do you have a healthy relationship um, with that? Because we're also a blended family. <laughs> right so there's other dynamics at play there in high both in high stress jobs and uh, both wanting you know in service industries so um yeah it seems like the impact or the like the the breadth of the struggle that we all have in relationships whether it's you know in our own homes or whether it's you know on the front lines in some capacity or another or in leadership you know the struggle is very real and i was actually hoping maybe we could we could dig into some of what you see as the most common struggles for leaders. So we'll stick kind of with leaders because that's mm-hmm. the kind of the theme of tonight's show is kind of people centered leadership. But mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest barriers or obstacles for people to shift into a people centered? So you mentioned colleagues. So you've got a colleague in the sector and they're going through a big struggle and you're looking at their practice and you're like, well, maybe you could like not like you could do something different. Like, what is the struggle or what are the couple of the struggles? Cause I know there's lots and I had lots yeah. as a leader, um, yeah. my colleagues, you know, there's lots of different ways that the struggle shows up, but maybe right now in this moment, what do you see as some of the top struggles that leaders are facing and how can we approach that maybe from a more people centered uh, perspective? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are lots of struggles that are being, that I'm seeing right now uh, with the leaders that I have the opportunity to kind of connect with and do some, um, we have a little bit of a nonprofit leaders group that we do some work with, and it's really about shared shared learning and shared experience. I would say some of the struggles, um, again, lacks listen to yourself is the having uh, giving yourself the permission to do that self care piece, to step away, hold other people capable, resourceful, creative that they can do the work, and the the ability to just take that like okay, I need the space, I need to figure it out. Um, struggle and saying like i don't know right now can i can i jump on that one for a second yeah because there's a like i theoretically know that self-care is really important mm-hmm. and it's stuck in the execution and so yeah. is is that what's happening is it that people are having a difficult time executing on self-care and stepping away or is it that people don't genuinely i can't genuinely make the connection between self-care and their leadership practice because i think there's yeah i don't know if yeah yeah, I do. I think, yeah, it is. And I, um, it's, I think there's even like, there's this piece of like this paradigm shift that we talk about is shifting and that, you know, like this leaders know it all, can do it all, can be the warriors. And then, 
and can't show that vulnerability or show that weakness. Um, and so that mixed with the fact, oh, I know I should be taking self-care, but if I do that, then I seem weak or I seem selfish. That's another common thing. I can't do that. Or there is too much work to do that I cannot take care of myself or especially in the nonprofit sector. There's we're jack of all trades, master of none is what I would say. So I think it's um, it's a little bit of like having the the. Uh, the courage and the confidence to say, okay, you know, I, I don't know, and I need to move away. Um, and then that it's okay to take care of yourself. It's not a selfish thing. Um, would be, you know, it'd be one of, is kind of a combination of, of what I would see in that. Yeah. It seems like there's a shadow side to that purpose driver and a shadow side to the helping professions at large. You know, mm-hmm. I think help helpers, my experience of work, helping helpers, it's an interesting when you shift into that kind of leadership mode and you're trying to help people doing tough, emotional, intensive work is the, the purpose driver so strong that mm-hmm. it can, it can develop a bit of a shadow side. And that, that shadow side is we don't look after ourselves. We don't yeah. put our own needs even on the table most of the time um, for discussion. So I think it, there's, it seems like there's lots going on in that particular converse, conversation or with the leaders are having with themselves. You know, is it selfish to look after myself yeah. is, would be one. And, you know, and then, yeah, I think that, that there's a shadow side to that really strong purpose and that sense of obligation and responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think that, that a lot mm-hmm. of people hold when they step into those roles yeah. um, for their own people, but also for the people they serve and the organization. So yeah, yeah that, I, I would say that that's a pretty strong barrier. Yeah. What else? What else is besides? Yeah. The- and I would say too, um, and I is the, yeah. And I, I would, I would say too, there's something about female leaders the same as, as moms, right? Like they don't, they feel guilty to take care of themselves because uh, they got to do all everything else. And I think the best thing for your kids is to be a healthy mom, healthy, a healthy woman. Then you'd be the best next, then you're healthy for your partner, then you're healthy for your kids. And same with leadership, be your best self because <laughs> then you're healthy for your your leaders and the, and the work you do. So even the kid, like in my leadership practice, the, the kids that we uh, are caring for, my they're, they're getting the best because I also can be a healthy, imperfect leader, and that impacts them and the work that we do. So it's that whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what about barriers or struggles at the purpose? Kind of that second principle. Um, what do you what do you see your colleagues or what have you experienced yourself in? like staying connected to purpose and using it as that North star, making sure that it's aligned with your own, because I, some, yeah. I think sometimes like that gets out of alignment a little bit, you know, an individual's mm-hmm. purpose driver and the organization or, you know, trickle down from the donor or the funder to through the board, mm-hmm. through the leadership mm-hmm. down to the front line. Like there's a lot of ways in there that purpose can go a little bit sideways or a little bit, you know, diagonal. Um, but what's your, your bit, your, what's your experience been on, building a strong purpose driver inside of the organization. Cause I think that's very strong at Brown bagging from yeah. my observations and my conversations with your team. And it's been very, like very clear that the purpose driver is very strong. Um, that's not the case everywhere. That's not the yeah. case throughout the sector. Um, so what, yeah. what maybe, maybe some insights or some tips that you might have for leaders who are trying to maybe realign an organization or themselves yeah. Um, yeah. with purpose. So I would say, you know, really getting clear on what that is. So I know at Brown Bagging, we have vision, mission, values that we filter and practice and talk about 
all the time. And then we do have that golden circle of why we do what we do, how we do and what we do um, and constantly visiting, going back to that. I think the struggle comes when, um, when, yeah, when you're shifting and then you're, you got to pull back and maybe there's some self doubt or maybe sometimes there's a funder that says, well, if you kind of do this, which is a little bit, you know, five degrees off, um, then you'll get all this money or some money or whatever it might be. Um, or it could be a board member like, oh, well, my experience is this and there, you should do it this way. And that's not the right way. So it's about really getting clear on that and, and, um, and, and getting the team to also be clear. So that's, that is one thing for sure. Brown bagging is that, their purpose is like everybody has that clear purpose. We all kind of look at it a little bit different, but it's very clear because yeah, the struggle can be when you're not um, then like mission drift happens. That's a common, you know, uh, phrase in in the nonprofit sector that you're, then all of a sudden you're changing who you are and what you do. And sometimes you need to do that, but it's when it's very intentional when you're doing that, you're changing your purpose. Um, and it's hard to say no to money in the nonprofit sector, especially now when they'll talk about needs uh, are increasing 50% and funds are decreasing 50%. So it's hard to say no when there's money, but really um, sometimes it is a blessing release. And, you know, it's that abundance mentality. Like you, you have the, it's again, the courage and the confidence to stay true to that and trust that saying no is an okay thing. Right. Or, um, or if there's a, or having, uh, I know you love this, Jeff, but having those tough conversations, right, to realign. Or you didn't get curious would be some of the pieces that I would see that um, organizations, other leaders would be, strugg- would be struggling with. And I know I've struggled with as well. So, Yeah, no, I think the saying no piece is a, is a critically overlooked one. I think we're so uh, used to saying yes to every opportunity that comes through the door that we, we accidentally grow organically and unintentionally into an organization or into us like I've, i know organizations that are actually now multiple organizations based on what they but they, they're trying to all keep it under one roof but they've just allowed that mission drift and that scope creep to just explode based on you know and it happens over time 20 or 30 years of saying yes to this grant and taking on this project and you know it, it happens and saying no that's not what we do we do mm-hmm. this thing right or how is this thing clearly connected to to our purpose and i think that's probably the better set of questions than are they going to give us money which is usually the default yeah if they're going to give it to us then we'll we'll take it Um, yeah i think saying no actually bleeds into that first one around self-care because i Mm -hmm. believe that saying the ability to say no and set boundaries is actually essential probably the essential practice for me anyway because i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a default yes man like yeah you got a cool project you got something you're working on the phone jeff he'll say yes probably um not anymore i'm working on it i'm saying no to a lot more um because a bunch of half-hearted yeses we say yes half-heartedly to things and we find ourselves resenting the obligations or things start to feel like obligations um so i have a rule you know it's a it's a hell yes or it's uh uh, no thanks so that's uh those are my rules um those are good jeff yeah, well, and now that I've put them out into the universe, I can, other people can help hold me accountable. Because that's too. I'm making notes. <laughs> you can tell Jeff to say no. Yeah. Um, that third principle, so the last one. So we've got kind of know yourself, 
and like choose yourself you know mm-hmm. care for yourself however we want to capture that set of, set of yeah. principles there's a few pieces in there there's know your purpose what's the third one caring for others caring for others how do you do yeah. that and yeah. i imagine that might be one of the stickiest points when it comes to yeah. leadership is because yeah. when, when we talk about people-centeredness um there's an organization there there's a system there yeah. and then there's individuals within that and that tension i think i've experienced the attention yes. there um, so how do you wrestle with that tension? And, and let's talk about that third principle a little bit. Yeah. So, and also because typically in leadership, like, you know, the words love or care, even sometimes the word the appreciation, like I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong and not in a very nice way, um, as opposed to care for you and genuinely care. And as a human being, not just as, okay, I'm caring because I, you know, it, we know it will affect your whatever your bottom line is, and I don't think of the traditional bottom line, but it does affect your work, Um, but you genuinely care for these human beings. Um, So it's a new, and again, it's maybe a little buzzy, even now we're talking, it was on a uh, webinar a couple weeks ago, and it was like, yes, let's listen to each other, listen to each other, listen to each other, but it's how you do that. And and it's some of those soft, intangible skills that are most important. We know EQ is more important in the board than IQ. And so emotional intelligence is about uh, yourself and then the caring for others. So for us, um, and I'm also big on those structures. So what do I put in place that may help me set myself up and my team up for success to care for the team? So uh, one of the things, uh, the very first weekend in COVID, um, besides re-figuring out what we, how we were doing as what we were doing as an organization because schools were closed and we were still feeding kids, was what was the, what did the team need? What are these human beings that I know were and still are giving so much of their heart and souls and skills to what we do? Um, what do they need? So how, what structures can I put in place so that I can care for them? So how often would they need to see my face? Because now we're all remote. <laughs> how often do they need to hear some encouragement, have some gratitude and some celebration? Um, how can we just like, all every home in this world ha- is dealing with something unique with COVID, whether it's elderly parents, job loss, uh, stress, kids, you know, endless what we could talk about. So um, one of the things we did is we created a Caring Connect meeting and it was just a weekly, let's see each other as humans. And we did some uh, first few weeks were probably about, uh, they were about like just the stress what's happening. I'm scared. I'm anxious, the angst, the anxiety. Um, I'm working a lot of hours. My family needs me. Uh, my childcare has just been gone and I have young kids and I still need to work all those pieces. So uh, we have an intentional care and connect meeting that we were doing, especially in the heart of COVID that was just seeing people as it was fun. It was again, it was intentional, purposeful, um, connection of real things so tears uh, stresses anxieties fears um played some music uh <laughs> talked about gratitude uh, had some dance parties and um the value on that is when you care for your people it's about seeing them as humans um because like that people we know there's like the research is out of this world on you care for people encourage them they're in their happiness all those things uh in their optimal state they will work to their best and to the, to what they're doing and genuinely 
and not just in the work, but in their lives. So when they go home, when they walk out of their office door now, right? Like, you know, they're, um, they're, they're able to be that person uh, anchored and grounded and the best in their lives as well as moms or dads, whatever that might be. Yeah. And that strikes me as a different level of responsibility for mm. an organization to take, right? And I don't know that organizations and leaders are particularly used to or comfortable with stepping into that, that role of we see whole people, not just the person who's here from nine to five doing a certain task in the business, right? And seeing them as somebody who has needs and families and like all of those pieces. I think COVID, you know, the, the, the gratitude in COVID, COVID or the blessing has been, it's, it's exposed all of that, right? You can't jump on a Zoom call. My dog just came in the door. I heard your dog barking in the background, like <laughs> yeah. we, are in, we are in each other's lives. Yeah, we can't, we totally. can't like for better or for worse. We're we're no longer going to be able to hide and say I'm yeah. just Jeff. I'm, I can like well, again white white knuckling it through like mm-hmm. the work day while we've got these other stressors or these other joys yeah. or opportunities or whatever. So yeah, I think it's a new level of responsibility mm-hmm. for leaders to step into. And again, it's probably tied right back to that first one around self care. Mm-hmm. Right, if we're not well, we're not going to have the capacity to expand our scope of practice or our scope of responsibility um, for our people. So I see all of those as being as any good leadership model, like you can't pluck one away and pretend that it's not connected meaningfully to yeah. the rest of how we view, view our role, uh, yeah. view the work. So, uh, yeah, I say that people-centered leadership is a real foundational practice because there's lots of, you know, models and you go to strategy and you go to all different executions, but um there's still like, to me, it's the, it's the precursor because I can do all that stuff, but if I can't keep my check, my ego in check, or if I can't learn to listen and, and check my defensiveness or my insecurities, um, I can't do those other things. So it's a real, to me, it's a real foundational, like precursor to some of the other leadership filters or models or whatever is out, you know, all the things that are out there with leadership. So. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I love this conversation and all the conversations that we have about leadership because I see a very, you know, very strong um, sense from you and my observations of you in the room with your people and conversations about leadership has been like, that's been what's resonated is that we're people first and we're going to be people. And if we can do that, then the, the mission's going to take care of itself or the organization, the things we need to do together are all going to come into play um, because we've got a different level of trust um, established and a different level of commitment, I think, um, to our people and, and then therefore them back to us and all of that. So, um, yes, we could talk leadership for a while, but I'm, it's, it is a Thanksgiving episode. And so we should probably talk about thanks and mm-hmm. gratitude. And you had mentioned it previously about you know yeah. inserting that into your caring connect meeting a little bit of gratitude mm-hmm. um a what are you grateful for right mm-hmm. now and b what types of gratitude practices do you have or do you have practices around it kind of built into your own i know you do some meditating you do like mm-hmm. you do other things but is there a particular mm-hmm. gratitude practice that you find helpful um that, you, that you'd be willing to share mm-hmm. Um, so the practices, I have a lot of practices, like we have a gratitude jar sitting on the counter, like our Thanksgiving dinner last night was all of us sharing what we're grateful for. And not everybody's super comfortable with that all the time, but offering a space, a safe space for have to enter in those conversations. Um, yeah. So my meditation I have, uh, in my calendar, 
where I like live off my calendar. That's where my structure is for even caring and all my practices and exercise and all that. I have a couple times in my day that a, a, request, a meeting reminder comes up and says, what are you grateful for? So it causes, it's a, it's a reason to pause in the middle of whatever I'm doing. And I see that. What am I grateful for in this moment? Um, I have on my dresser at the end of the night, write down what I'm grateful for. And then so the writing down, we know, is a very good practice as well. Um, and, um, and then in the leadership practice, you know, we talk about it a lot. Sometimes that's a, an opening question to a, a quick, you know, we're all on a Zoom call now. What are you grateful for? One word. And just really get intentional and have that perspective shift. Um, because, again, when this, you know, and besides this COVID world, prior to that, there's still realities and stresses and lots of things. So even in the real tough stuff, how do you stop and be find that gratitude? Um, so that's a that's sort of some of my practices. Um, and my family has permission too. when like things are tough and the anxiety is still real and stress is. What are, you still, what are you grateful for today, Tanya? Because there's still some good, even though we felt it's been like a really awful day. Um, so they have permission to do that. Um, I would say, you know what, my, I'll say a real like personal one. We were just having leftovers before I jumped on the call. And um, I, my 20, almost 23 year old son was away for a few years at playing hockey and at school and boarding school and different things and home for a little while. And now he's moving out in a couple days. Uh, and that's hard on a mom's heart, <laughs> even though it's the reality. Uh, it's hard on um, dad's hearts too, Jeff. I won't take that away from you. You get a few years to wait on that. Years, yeah. yeah, a few years. Um, but uh, I, as sad as I am a little bit and as excited as I am, I'm grateful that I had, that he did, was home with us for the last year and a half, right? So that was the gratitude I shared just in that a few minutes before jumping on with you is that I, even though it's hard, I'm grateful that I had him home for a year and a half. Um, and I think he's grateful because I made every pregame hockey meal in the season last year. So that should be his gratitude. Uh, and yeah, so that was my gratitude tonight. And I do practice it a lot. So I could list on lots of things. What are you grateful for Jeff? Cause it is Thanksgiving. I've got tons of things I'm grateful for. Um, I think actually one thing that stood out for me today was I'm grateful for choice. I'm grateful for the freedom to choose um, lots, of, lots of things. You know, I, I have a ton of autonomy and flexibility built into my life these days. And that's something that I never want to take for granted because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have choice. I think that's where our power lives is the ability to choose um, one thing or another. So yeah, aside from the usual, you know, health, family, all of that kind of stuff is, yeah. is, you know definitely grateful for but yeah i think some especially in a COVID world um having some where it feels like choices for a while there and still you know are restricted you know we can't choose mm -hmm. to do anything and everything um we still have a ton of choice or i still have a ton of choice so yeah. that's important to me so yeah but yeah. uh i love those gratitude practices i think that those are because i've, I've you know i think people sometimes and i've been guilty of this and again you know all of these learnings from both of us come from a place of having hit our head against that wall often yeah. enough to have learned the lesson. Um, I think we mistake gratefulness for an attitude as opposed mm. to a, a practice that actually we need to do. It's like, a, it's like any other routine in our life. It's like going to the gym or, you know, eating, right. Nourishing our body and gratefulness and gratitude practice. When we look at it that way, as opposed to an attitude that we either have or don't have, it's kind of like motivation. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I put it in the same family of, you know, Jeff's not that motivated sometimes, but this is what he does at this time of the day. So he's just going to get up and do it. And that structure, that practice helps to build that muscle. Um, and I think mm-hmm. gratitude is probably a similar thing. I think, I hope people don't just do it on Thanksgiving and then yeah. spend a year not practicing gratitude because yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a very powerful um, mindset shifter. Um, yeah. And I think is connected all roads, I guess, eventually lead back to self-care and wellness, but gratitude mm-hmm. is one of those practices that I 100%. think um, definitely amplifies that, our, our own wellness. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't want to keep you too late because it is Thanksgiving Monday yeah. and you this probably have great. work to do tomorrow. Um, yeah. I do want to um, chat a little bit about a challenge that you have coming up, mm-hmm. got a leadership challenge, a five-day leadership <laughs> challenge coming up. I'm just going to pull up your website so that people can check that out. I believe 10uk.ca is where people can go to take a look, but maybe just give us the, the high-level quick rundown of what people can expect in your five-day leadership challenge and when it is, and they can go here to find out obviously more. Yeah. So it was just, again, born from the curiosity and just seeing some of the struggles that leaders are going through and experienced and still experience and still practice because leader, I think leadership is a practice as well. Uh, it's not a title or a privilege. It's a, it's an opportunity and a responsibility and practice. Um, so the challenge is just um, leading in this new world. So how can we really um, how, what do we have to do? How do we do this listening leadership and this authentic and this imperfect and vulnerable, all those things that we talk about leadership is. So it's five days that you'll have some, I call it uh, your playbook. So kind of homework sheets, uh, jumping into a zoom call. So it's uh, October 26th to the 30th that week from 12 to 1230 every day. And it's just really going through having five actionable steps to how do we practice a people-centered leadership in this world when Zoom's a reality or teams are all over the place is a reality and there's lots of stress and anxiety and unknowns and uncertainties now, choice in this world. Um, so it's an opportunity for leaders who are getting curious and maybe having some struggle with the people-centered side or how can they do that for themselves and their team. Uh, five actionable steps and we'll dive into a Zoom call, have a conversation, do some work every day, practice every day, to just really have those tools and start a foundation of a people-centered model uh, into their in themselves and in their and in the work they're doing. So I'm excited. It's a new, a little bit of new venture to tr- try it out, but it's a it's a great introduction, and a good starting place for people that are curious about how to lead in this in this world right now. Awesome, I love it, and people should definitely go and check it out. And it's worth it it's worth the price of admission just to hang out with you for half an hour no. every, every day for a week. So um, I might have to sign up myself. And, yeah, uh, you <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your leadership in, in the world. It's, uh, it's something I appreciate greatly. And I know a lot of other people do as well. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jeff, for having me and all the work you're doing to create this amazing space for so many people to learn and have conversations. It's super valuable. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tanya, for hopping into the the show. And if you want to learn more uh, or catch past episodes with previous guests, you can go to jeffcoulard.com slash powerful. And all the shows are there in just audio podcast format. And there's snippets of videos if you want to check those out. Uh, I would love it. And if you want to drop us a like or a share or subscribe, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, that helps us reach a wider audience and have a bigger impact in the world. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week.